Lord, where is my ring? Girl, why does this happen? I just don't understand. Why are we like this? I'm so over this. Should we break up? Is he into me? Am I playing myself? Is it over? What is happening? Ladies, this is Charlie Penn. You are listening to The Solve, our brand new Essence Relationship podcast. Welcome to The Solve. Let's do it. Sisters, I'm so happy to bring you this special Breast Cancer Awareness Month episode of The Solve. It is so important that we honor the women who are in the fight of their lives with battling their breast cancer diagnosis and treatment. And what we don't talk about enough as Black women are these larger conversations around the impact that that has. I mean, think about it. You may feel like your body is failing you. If you're post-operation after a mastectomy, your body is different. And that affects the intimacy in your relationship, possibly even the emotions in your relationship. And ultimately, you may feel like your partner or your body has betrayed you, both of which must make it incredibly hard to be intimate with your partner. You may not feel sexy or desirable. You may not even want to have sex at all. Fatigue, frustration, embarrassment, they can really keep you from asking the questions and getting the insight and help that you need. But I've got you. I really wanted to create a forum for women who are dealing with this to have a safe space to talk about it and to get the help that you need and you deserve. Today on the show, I've invited licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Racine Henry of Sankofa Therapy NYC. She's well-versed in helping women and men and couples who work through the challenges of tough medical situations and guiding them on a path to really creating and accepting what she calls their new normal, which I think is really important. She's worked with lots of couples of color. She's helped them work through emotional issues in a relationship and intimacy issues. So she's the perfect person to talk to. If you've been diagnosed with breast cancer and have been struggling to understand how to keep things hot or intimate or even just keeping your relationship intact, I really hope this episode of The Solve is for you and can help you and provide wisdom and hope. Hang in there, sisters. We're with you. Let's listen to the conversation. Hello, everybody. You are listening to The Solve. I am Charlie Penn, and I am back this week with a very special guest. As you all know, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We have to show love and support to all of our sisters who have been diagnosed, who beat a diagnosis, who are survivors, who have family members who are survivors, and we need to really talk to them. And since we solve relationship problems, I decided this week I wanted to bring in some help to help women who have relationship dilemmas that stem from their diagnosis, maybe issues with intimacy and all those things. So today I have Racine Henry. Hi, Racine. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for coming and welcome. Of course. Thank you for having me. So you guys, I'm going to read Racine's receipts because they are vast. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Licensed. Her business, Sankofa Marriage and Family Therapy NYC. Okay. see says for the last over 10 years, she has treated clients in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New Jersey, and New York City. She has a BA in psychology and sociology from Lehigh University, an MS in marriage and family therapy from Baldasta State University. She has a PhD in couple and family therapy from Drexel University. Did y'all hear all those letters? 
Sis knows what she's talking about. Racine, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And this topic is so important, particularly with mm-hmm. black women. You know, yes. we are, as with so many illnesses and diseases, we are disproportionately affected by breast cancer. Right. And that means that, I mean, we're, we're in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. We're married, we're dating. And it's hard enough, I think, emotionally to yeah. hear that you have breast cancer or to fight and beat and survive breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And then I imagine it also affects your relationship. So can you talk a little bit about what your clients have experienced in terms of like life after a diagnosis with their relationships? Sure. So with almost any medical diagnosis, clients have talked about feeling like their bodies betrayed them, Mm -hmm. right? That who they are and how they are naturally, something went wrong that they couldn't detect, they couldn't prevent, and it leaves them feeling very helpless. Mm -hmm. Something like breast cancer, you immediately think of mortality. You think of the worst, mastectomies. And when you have a mastectomy, it changes the landscape of your body. So this form that you've gotten used to from puberty on that you may have been proud of or not liked or whatever it is, is now completely different forever. And a lot of the intimacy issues in a relationship come from your own self-image, your own comfort level with your body. And when that changes, it presents almost like a third person in your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Your insecurity is in the room. Right. And so your partner hopefully still finds you attractive and sexy and loves you. But if you don't feel that, even with those of us who don't have breast cancer, we know if you don't feel cute, then you, nobody can tell you that you're cute. Nothing's right? happening that night. Exactly. Right. You know, if you don't feel it. <laughs> or maybe the next five. It like, starts just, with you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So That must be really, hard to get over. It is. And it's hard for the person who has the doc- diagnosis or is a survivor mm-hmm. and then to relate that to their partner is even more difficult. Intimacy is this intangible thing, right? It's this connection that starts long before your clothes even come off. So if there's no intimacy, you're not going to have anything physical happen. There's going to be no penetration. There's going to be no mood. It's just going to be dead and quiet. It's that emotional intimacy. Exactly. So can we start there? Okay. So you get this diagnosis Mm -hmm. and your partner may or may not be in the space with you. You may find out alone. I think that happens a lot. It does. How, what do you tell your patients about maybe relaying that news to their partner? Because that can't be an easy thing to tell mm-hmm. someone you love. So sometimes my clients find it easier to bring their partners into therapy mm-hmm. just to have this safe space where they can be raw and vulnerable about the diagnosis, but also what they expect now to be different in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Some people think sex has to stop. Right. My body is going through chemo. I'm going to all these appointments. I have to figure out what this diagnosis means long term. It may impact having children, yeah. you know, fertility, all those things. So many questions. And, right. And as women, we're almost pre-programmed to do mothering, right? Yes. Everyone assumes you're going to have children. You're going to have, you know, an, a birth. You're going to have pregnancy. And so when those things get inhibited, it, it redefines who you are as a woman and what you think about yourself as a woman. There's no script that goes along with, now that you only have one breast, I have two, this is what this it means what to happens. be a woman. Right. So you basically feel like you're, you're notifying your partner that your entire lives, life together has changed. Yeah, and similar to pregnancy, it's a very individual experience. Your partner's there for you, but they're not going through it. They don't know what that feels like. They don't know what it looks like in terms of looking in the mirror and seeing yourself this way. And so there's a lot of reestablishing norms, a lot of redefining what that dance is. Every person in the couple knows you have a dance when it comes to sex. You You know, if you do this, he's going to do that, or she's going to do that, and then it leads to whatever you want to lead to. 
Absolutely. So if things are different, if you feel different, like an alien in your own skin, that dance has to change. And because we try so hard to keep everything the same, because what was working before should work now, the rules are different. So you have to get to know yourself again. It gets on your partner again. And then intimacy, which is such a private and vulnerable thing, Mm -hmm. that has to be redefined and reestablished as well. So what can you start with? So you tell your partner, Mm -hmm. right? Is it that you, do you recommend they tell them right away? Like I recommend they go with them to the doctor who can really explain the prognosis, how severe severe it is, what treatment's going to look like. And then they come to the couples therapist to talk about what do we do with all this? And what's our life look like? Yeah, there's finances to think about, there's logistics of just to quit my job. Am I going to be able to be as functional as I once was? What does that mean about the partner? Are they going to be more reliable for the children, for the household duties? Do we have to move to better medical care? Do we have medical care? Right. Black women with the health disparities. It's a humongous issue that has no end right now. There's no reprieve from it. So that in your partnership financially in a relationship in a lot of cases. Exactly. Especially if you think about just having this medical issue and now thinking about how that sort of spirals outward into the rest of your life. You look at your couple relationship, your family relationship, Mm -hmm. your friends, your work. So that's why I think. You know, that's why I love being a match and family therapist yeah. because our field is really about this systemic and relational approach. So not just looking at you as Charlie, but right. you as a black woman, yes. what that means in society, mm. you and your marriage in your family of origin, your friends group at work, because your problem shows up in all these different areas. Absolutely. So our solutions have to fit who you are in all these different parts of your life too. It's not good enough just to fix one thing because that spiral, right, is going to yes. happen whether you're fixed or not, or whether you're healthy or not, I should say. So it sounds like step one is <coughs> over-communicating in yes. the beginning. You know, and not communicate in, enough. Yeah, right. you have to mm-hmm. talk about your diagnosis, talk about what the future looks like for you both. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you're talking a little bit about your needs too, like allowing your partner to talk about their fears and what yeah. Yeah, you have to create space for them because they're having their own parallel process as well. Mm. And a lot of times the patient becomes the focus, right? The medical patient becomes the focus and this other person gets neglected or forgotten about. They have a loss too. Absolutely. Their partner who is going now through this really horrible medical experience is not going to be the same potentially. Absolutely. And that impacts them. And so allowing them to have the floor to say, this sucks and I hate this and I'm not, you know, I'm not able to love my wife or my girlfriend the way I used to. Right. And I don't like that. I want, you know, your breasts back. I, right. I, I miss, you know, that part of our intimacy and allowing that to be equally as true as the person who has the diagnosis. So you let them experience. say it. And that's important, right? I think I want everyone to hear that. You have to let them say it, even mm-hmm. if you don't like what they're saying. Right. Because, because it's a growing pain. In, in any relationship, if you can't have these hard conversations, mm-hmm. you're not going to remain happy or in a healthy relationship. Absolutely. You have to be able to hear the thing that you don't like and then know what to do with it. So part of coming to therapy is about developing this mechanism for resolving issues for the rest of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not about being in therapy forever. Right. It's about coming, getting the tools that you need and then going back to your real life, implementing those and doing them whenever you need to. So knowing what that trigger is, knowing what, you know, those boundaries look like. Yep. And when they get triggered, knowing how to then sit and come to the table and say, now we have to resolve all this thing. And this sounds like the absolute moment where you definitely have to lean on therapy to get through this. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a lot of work to do as a couple mm-hmm. and you, you want to have that professional help because you, you need to get it right because you're going through enough as yeah. the patient and as the woman and you don't want to feel like your body failed you and your relationship failed. 
or that you failed your relationship, right? Mm. That because I got cancer, now everything is falling apart. Do your now, patients feel that way a lot? Absolutely, because everything is different. Everything changes forever, yeah. right? Once one thing is different, it can never go back to what it was. And something as big as cancer, we all know it's this scary, ugly thing yeah. that robs people of their family members, of their loved ones, and of your own life, you yes. know? Your energy, your hair, right? your and lifestyle. So, yeah, and so a lot of people think, I'm happy that you brought up the work of therapy because a lot of people think that the work of therapy happens in the therapy room Mm -hmm. and it does not happen there. Mm -hmm. The work happens when you leave the therapy room. If you think about it, you come to therapy at best once a week. That's one hour out of your entire week each week. Right. You can't possibly think the problems you've been having for months or years are going to be fixed in that one hour. In four hours a month. Yeah. What really works is when you leave therapy and mm-hmm. you then start thinking differently and speaking differently and behaving differently. That's where the real work is and that's where the impact really matters. If you come to therapy and leave and do nothing different, nothing's going to change. I'm not a magician. I can't, right? I can't <laughs> right. like say, oh, go You're home and do these three things. Now everything's going to be, exactly. gonna be different. You're a coach yeah. and it's an individual process. Yeah. And every client needs something different from you as a therapist. So some clients I'm more of a coach. Others are more collaborative with them. Others I have to be more directive because they may be more in denial or slower to, you know, want to change or um, other people that may have like personality disorders, other things, you know, everybody needs something different. So you have to know how to be fluid and flexible enough to adapt to how your client's personality is, but then also facilitating change. So what advice do you tell the women that you, that you see Mm -hmm. who are in relationships and are, let's say in recovery, thank God, you know, or they beat their, their breast cancer and they want to get back to intimacy. Especially, I imagine, like you said, after a mastectomy, a double mastectomy, you know, after the chemo, all of that, their body is different. Mm -hmm. That means their lovemaking is going to be different. And just the physical and emotional intimacy are going to be different. So how do you talk to your patients through moments like that? What advice do you give them? I would tell them to spend a lot of time getting to know their bodies again, getting Mm -hmm. to know where their pleasure points are, because those may have changed, getting to know um, who they are when you look in the mirror. So being really comfortable being naked, because that's hard for a lot of women, regardless of what their body looks like. Any day of the week, right? Exactly. And so when you add something like a mastectomy in, you have to really be comfortable with something that we use to define who's a woman or not, who's feminine or not, those are missing. So now what, right? How do you redefine what a woman's body looks like to you and what sexy looks like to you? Mm -hmm. And then also feeling strong in your body, right? Getting some of that empowerment back. So maybe they will go to yoga and learn how to enjoy the flexibility of their body and use their body in different ways, that fluid movement. I think yoga is a really empowering thing, partially because you're doing it in front of a mirror. And as you continue doing yoga, you realize how how much your body can adapt and how strong you are just with your own body weight. Nothing else needed, but in this really, you know, again, fluid and synchronized way. It kind of makes you salute your body in a way. It kind of gets you back to thinking Honoring your body again and and learning to love what you look like and who you are from the inside out. What about, and I may be just jumping out there because, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what I do. What about like a burlesque class or like a dance class or something to get used to how your body feels Mm -hmm. when it's moving and swaying and body rolling and doing Doing the things that usually make us as women feel kind of sexy. Right. And even like a twerk class. My husband yeah. bought me a twerk class on Mother's Day. Like something like that. But even if you're, if you're uncomfortable and it's not something that you know how to do or that you feel good about doing, mm-hmm. just getting active and, you know, finding different ways to move your body and to feel like you again, I think. So you have to be help. intentional about finding your, your groove again, physically. I always sexiness. say be intentional and purposeful. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And what about talking to your partner about like what? 
is still sexy to them, right? Because right. I know, I would, um, let me say not that I know, but I can imagine if you knew your partner loved your breasts right. and they're gone. Now what? You, if you liked how your partner loved your breasts. Yes. If you liked the way they would foreplay with your breasts or whatever else. That's hard. That's missing. I can't even imagine how you, right. and if they do tell you, baby, I love them. They're sexy. I don't mind. Do you believe them? This has got to be, you, you know, want to, but that's where the self-love comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Because I think once you're confident, yeah. then you are open to positive reinforcement from other people. If you don't feel it, like we said earlier, nobody else can give that to you. So once you feel it, and your partner can help you, of course, feel confident. Of course. Who doesn't love getting dressed and their partner being like, damn, look how good you look or whatever it is. Absolutely. And so I think you have to, again, go back to some of the things you might have done in the beginning of your relationship. Because when it's new, you're learning each other. You're learning what you like, what you don't like. Mm-hmm. how things feel in the dark or light or whatever you do and so doing that all over again maybe playing I sex like games with each other going back to basics yeah like all the these early like days. free apps of like sex games or oh, yeah. going to like a sex shop together and trying out different things playing with the toys couples massage playing with toys whatever it is that helps you connect and you know have that physical intimacy but that needs to be built off of the emotional intimacy first of course I really like that because that was kind of the magical time in your relationship and in what you're big, saying is you're the giving yeah, the right? newness. That's when mm-hmm. you had the butterflies and the yeah. chills all the time and the everything was a rom-com movie sequence in your mind, right? But, <laughs> I mean, that, you're saying you're giving these women permission to go back there. This is how yeah, you find and, your mojo. Right, and it may be the same as it was. It may be very different and being okay with that. A lot of it, I think, I've learned as a therapist is that we live in um, conflict with things a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We try to avoid, shut down, stop, and kill things that are happening organically. Yeah. And I had a professor once tell me, you can't stop what you're doing organically. It mm. can't ever be different, right? Right. And so how you change your mindset is to embrace it. So rather than trying to avoid intimacy because it's awkward or uncomfortable or it's better if we just don't do it or maybe you can go, you know, get a prostitute or go somewhere else for the sex right. that you or need. Or I'm wearing a sweatshirt or, you know, right. whatever it or is. Or make it really dark or don't look at yeah. me or whatever. Instead, embrace it and sit in it because then it becomes different. You get to take that power back from that moment or from that experience. It's no longer something you have to become organized around and work so hard to, you know, not have in your life, you face it and you look at it and say, this is a part of what it is now. And the more that I sit with it, the more that I understand it and become yes. intimate with that discomfort, then it becomes part of the norm, right? Because we can define our lives, our sex lives to be mm-hmm. however we want them to be. There are no absolutes about that. Right. Ooh, that's so important. Mm-hmm. And we know the love will get you through, right? And you're saying you have to do the work. But can we talk about the time? Because I know, especially millennial couples, mm-hmm. but there's always this urgency. Like, something's wrong in my relationship, and this is a problem. And if yeah. we don't fix it right now, if it's not over in a day or a weekend yeah. or a week or even a month, mm-hmm. we feel like we failed. But I will never forget, when I interviewed Ruby D um, years ago before she passed, wow. she said, it was I know it was a blessing. And I said, how did you and Ozzy make it to 50 years together. And she looked at me, she grabbed my hand and she said, it, it's waves. Everything comes in waves. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. She said, you young people, if you have a bad week or a bad month, you run, you have a bad six months. You say it's over. I'm out. She was like, we had bad years, but I promise you, if you rode that out, Mm -hmm. we got to the other side and you will too. And that really stuck with me. And I really imagine when it comes to dealing with a diagnosis or, you know, one of you or your partner surviving something or your body changing, that's not going to be a quick fix. This is going to be a process. Talk about the journey. Yeah. So to your point, I had a a couple once that were together for 31 years and they came into therapy and told me that they had seven terrible 
multiple years in total. If they added up all the time, if they weren't getting along and they wanted to quit and walk away, it was seven years total. But those 24 years that were amazing made the seven years worth it, right? And so something couples always ask me, like in our initial assessment or first session is, how long is this going to take? When are we going to feel good about each other again? When am I going to love this person again? And I always tell them, I, I have no answer for you. Yeah. Right. Because it depends on so many factors, how vulnerable and open you are in therapy. Again, the work you do when you leave here, how often we meet as, you know, for therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. If you're meeting once every two weeks, once a month, it's going to take a very long time because every session involves catching up on the time since the last one. So when it comes There's to time, there that you yeah, have the to gap fill. always, you know, creates a longer process. And so if you focus on the time, you're not focused on the process or the work. And it is a process and every process takes time. You have to be committed to the work of it mm-hmm. and focus on what your goals are. And I think that people get hung up on the idea of normalcy of I want to be in a normal relationship and normal couples. And I always shift that to healthy and healthy and positive you get to define that for yourself not me so you come in and say what's healthy for us is having sex every single day that's what we're going to work back you know to get you back to that's what we're going to work towards if healthy for you is we live in two separate houses three states away and see each other once a month that's what we're going to work towards as well and you have to accept the new normal yeah yeah that's the beauty of being in a relationship you two get to make it whatever you want to be it's your love you get to define it for yourselves and have it look whatever style you want to look like and no one has to agree with it but they're the person that's involved and that's the best part of it you get to create whatever you want no rule books just your rules yeah i love it now this question is a hard one i think for some women to even ask themselves and Mm -hmm. definitely you know to say out loud but we have to ask what if you're doing all the work you have tried to be open you've tried to be intimate what Mm -hmm. if you've done all that work and everything has changed and it's over and you can feel it yeah and maybe it's not that it failed but it's just over right right how do they handle that? Is that normal? So I think if you've tried everything, mm-hmm. meaning going to a sex therapist, mm-hmm. maybe going to a medical family therapist, someone who can do both, mm-hmm. right? If you've tried the work, you've put in time, the process, the energy, the money of therapy, all of those pieces, and you find it's just not working. Yeah. It's another thing you have to accept, yeah. right? And I think that if it's not working, it's not because your diagnosis. It's right. because there are other issues in your relationship that this is now bringing to the surface. Mm-hmm. Things like medical illnesses, infidelity, these are the issues that in any relationship are going to really highlight and reveal how healthy it is or isn't because you can't ignore or avoid these things. You can't explain them away. They sort of like create these like catastrophes in relationships, I think, are always so good because it gives you a chance to really rebuild from the bottom up if you choose to. If you choose to take advantage of it, it can be the best thing in your relationship. So in a way, and I'm just getting this mental analogy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, official, but in my head, I'm like, so it's like the diagnosis is the water and you pour the water in the glass and all the dirt or the dust that was in the yeah. glass. That's when you see it float up. Like when someone drowns and they bomb the lake. Yeah. Everything floats in the top. That's what it that's is. That's what diagnosis does. It's oh. that it's that impactful and it becomes this thing you can't avoid now. So now that everything's up on the surface and you see all your issues and all your problems, you can either walk away because it's too much or too hard or too intense, or you can take the time to really rebuild, really unpack what happened in the past, really yeah. commit to this is how bad it can get. Let's never forget how bad it can be so that moving forward, we always are intentional and purposeful yes. about doing these things differently to really have our relationship be as healthy as possible and as positive as possible, even when things are bad. 
this has been so helpful. And I, it's <laughs> even for me, and I know it will be helpful for other women. Mm-hmm. This is not something we think about, we like to talk about, but it could happen. Yeah. And when it happens, we have to be prepared. So I want to make sure it's so important that we recap. Of and course. I make sure that everyone really takes something away from this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of just go over where I think we, sure. the notes, right? The notes we have from this. I call them the love notes, but we need these sisters. Yeah. So first and foremost, dialogue, discussion. It happens. You have to talk. You have to open up. You have to over communicate, right? You have to tell each other what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. acknowledge that things have changed. It's impossible to not communicate, right? So even silence is a form of communication. Absolutely. And then vulnerability, it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's a huge part of this. You have to not just talk, but be honest in what you're saying. Especially when it's hard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't like what you're going to, what you're going to say, or you don't like what they have to say. Right. So you have to do that. And then you have to do the work and get some help. Mm-hmm. Family therapist, couples therapist, some medical therapist you mentioned, mm-hmm. sex therapist. Yeah. You need someone to coach you through the steps and the homework, essentially, that you need right. to do together to overcome this mega mountain hurdle in your relationship that neither of you saw coming. Mm-hmm. You have to get the help. Yeah. And listen to the advice and, and do the work. Right. Right? right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then lastly, you have to accept the new normal. You have to establish a new normal and accept it for sure. And embrace it. And embrace it. And realize that it's not, you know, that everything is over, but everything has changed. And it's supposed to be because that's what happens with something like cancer. Absolutely. You know, it changes everything, but it doesn't have to be for the worse. It can be that you tap into this different level of resilience in your relationship. Yeah. It can help you to bond even closer together mm-hmm. and it can really reveal the strengths and imperfections of your relationship. So now that you know where the sore points are, you can focus on those and work on them and repair them and rebuild them. So sometimes revealing what's not working isn't the worst thing, right? right. You can then know like what muscles you need to develop. Exactly. And where, you know, again, those vulnerabilities are in your relationship and safeguard your relationship. Oh yeah. Self-worth also you mentioned Yes. I want to overemphasize mm-hmm. sisters, love yourself, embrace yourself no matter what right. you, it has to start within. Yes, it does. And this is the hardest moment of your life. We acknowledge that mm-hmm. and you're going to need support to get through it. And you have to start by supporting yourself. Right. And knowing who you need to reach out to. Maybe your husband or a partner can't be the one that's there with you all the time because it's too personal or it's too impactful. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You can have sisters, friends, your mom, whoever else along there, you know, along the process with you. And he can play or she can play the role that that they play, that they're comfortable with, that you feel comfortable with. It doesn't have to look in any one particular way. And is there anything else you want any woman out here listening right now? who is saying, thank you guys. I needed this conversation. I needed to talk about this. What do you want her to know? I always tell black women that we define strength so narrowly, right? Mm -hmm. That strength means you never cry. You never ask for help. You never need a day off. And I always encourage my clients because I really focus on black women in my practice to expand that definition to include things like crying, asking for help for, you know, saying no, because I think when you're really strong, you know what your boundaries and limits are and you're okay with those. And you make people around you respect those boundaries and limits. And so that Mm -hmm. means that sometimes you have to say no sometimes you can't do it you can't be there and that's a form of strength because you know that in order for me to keep going and keep being who I am to all these people in my life I have to keep refilling my own cup and I'm strong in setting those limits and boundaries and if you haven't done that work sisters in a moment like what we're talking about today 
you have to do that work to get to the other side. Absolutely. You can't go around. You have to go through. You have to go through. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having coming. Me. Thank course. you for sharing. Tell Absolutely. everyone where they can reach out to you. My website is Sankofa Therapy NYC. Mm-hmm. And Sankofa is spelled S as in Sam, A, N as in Nancy, K as in Kangaroo, O, F as in Frank, A. My Instagram is also Sankofa Therapy NYC. And she is available, you guys. She's open. Reach out. If you want to continue the conversation, please do. This is definitely important to all of us. Mm -hmm. And feel free to share this episode with a sister who may be in need, anyone recently diagnosed, anyone who just beat their cancer, praise God, and just let them hear this conversation. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to our special guest, Dr. Racine Henry. That's it for this week on The Solve. I hope we help someone solve their matter of the heart. Until next week, bye loves.